Greetings. This is Larry D. Giles. It's Tuesday, May 25th, 2022. It's been raining all day. It's overcast, rather gloomy. But I'm responding to it pretty well. Kicking back and uh, going to uh, read something, I think. Let's see if I can get back to it. I want to add that I am a bit tired, but I'm going to attempt to read this anyway. And as you know, I like to talk a little bit before I read. It's the way I make a connection with my audience. My secondary goal is always to convey to you that I'm a real person putting together these chapters. I will also add that my vignettes are kind of like children. And out of that, a truth some probably will not admit. You like some much better than others, though all you created with purpose and you believe they each have value and should be treated the same. This vignette I liked for the simple idea of waiting at the mailbox on a Sunday morning. It's something about that setting which caused me uh, intrigue, excitement. A small detail becomes an important detail. That is what I call the magic and the majesty of writing. I also love the character of Iretha Stone, who is not all good and not all bad. I fabricated Stone's name to, of course, protect the identity of a real family member. Beneath the surface of this piece, I wanted to say something about values and maybe even about God, that both, like many features of our lives, past, present, and future, are likely multifaceted and not lateral. This is one of the primary themes of The Boy Beside the Woods. By the way, Lady of the Cloth, the title of the piece, has multiple meanings. It could be a woman involved in religious affairs, a dedicated religious leader, or one who is enterprising and of clever means, even a woman of ill repute, a mistress or prostitute. In this case, it is the boy's cousin. And I, of course, am the boy. A Lady of the Cloth. Complete vignette from The Boy Beside the Woods. Nearly everything I knew about the church at the edge of the county was good. Caught under the oaks that towered for years above it. It was a place both big and small that held a special shape in our hearts. 
a short walk from the Indian church everyone clearly avoided. It had been placed down in our bosoms by old women we didn't always exactly know, by dusty young men in shiny shoes at the gate. You can't always tell the fox from the sheep, the deacon said. He was also the Sunday school teacher, blowing a little because it was already hot and the dirt would not leave his shoes. Though in his boater, his white shirt and tie, he clung to the mailbox as though he was a letter not sent. I kind of knew what he meant, but also I didn't know what he meant. I think he was talking about his friend, the old man with the banjo across the next field. Or maybe the white boss man and the black man stayed with. Sometimes my grandfather would let little words slip, things maybe he didn't mean. But if it was Sunday and no one else wanted to go to church with him but myself, the words dropped anyway. Somewhere beyond the dust and breeze that rolled timidly across the cornfield, and entered the seedy gate where we were beginning to grow weary and maybe even in need of prayer. Miss Aretha Stone had to be on her way. I say on her way, though, kind of as a wish. Some Sunday she would have stopped by the Johnsons to get their offering. Some Sunday she would have seen old Lady Laura's boozed-up husband under a tree in the yard and chased him down to the woods until he gave her a dollar. <laughs> but she had also secretly given the mother a hunk of money that time the afflicted boy went to the hospital in the city with our hands in our pockets. My grandfather and I waited why I was the only one with my grandfather was just as much a mystery as why my mother's cousin was late. <laughs> Miss Aretha had a new Oldsmobile and I had lots of Christians in the house. My grandmother had said she wasn't feeling well and the two youngest aunts had women's troubles. The eldest was already at work with or without troubles and the uncles here and there along the paths and roads and yards like cans kicked by the roots of a tree. <laughs> there was a bad word in the air, maybe down near the barn where the bootleg had been hidden. God damn, man, I thought you had something, the plump uncle told the tall and skinny receiving the small mason jar from under a sunny spray of horse nettle, also offering its strange fruit. I'm going up to the oak. The tall one didn't usually share, and so it, so it may have been a good moment. They were also trying mighty hard to hide the moment a little in the shade. The big oak was where you could get most anything except compassion and a kind word. 
rollicking laughter and cockeyed derision, yes, but compassion, no. And the last of everything was held on to tightly for the right bet. The big one with the pistol under his belt was betting. Maybe there would be a smidgen to chase away the Sunday night loss. In all truth, however, I don't think either of the rare Sunday buddies were gamblers, at least not with cards and dice. They may have laid something on the sudden euphoria of a drink, a pistol which says, How great thou art across the gravel yard of a juke store. And even so, there were differences between them, good and also bad. I couldn't exactly say, except the tall one reminded me more of myself, whom also I wasn't sure I knew. Possibly I was the sheep, maybe the goat or pistol, a sacrifice or offering. I hope my grandmother had sent from a love that got drunk. I didn't know what it was or what I was, nor at times did I mind. And for once I wasn't sad. I wanted to go. I liked piddling after my grandfather in the fields or anywhere he went. And mostly except for a sour face or two, Church was fun, and you could also just sit and think. There could have been more. Miss Iretha, in her wide purple hat, held hostage by a flower. If she had captured the afflicted boy, might just give you a nickel. Her cousin's stout, light-skinned boy, who was still learning about all the workings of God. Miss Iretha still hadn't come. It was drunk woman plodding along, plodding along behind the mule she was taking to Mr. Jackson's pasture. She was wiping her forehead with one of her husband's bandanas, but I think she was angry with Mr. Jackson, and she was angry with her husband, angry also with her son and Miss Iretha. Uncle Willie, you still riding with her? My grandfather didn't answer. He did close the Bible he had briefly looked into. He was still choosing verses for his lesson. Suffer the little children, I think. Don't ring, she gonna get your last dime, she said, touching the mule's mouth. <laughs> they were both slobbering. The early Sunday sun and the one from the week before had made a, a kind of circle around her face, and the face was glowing and red, like a preacher who had worked in the fields all week. Talk like she didn't took most of your used-to-be daughter-in-law's land. Say, say, she and her husband lived back there and paid her taxes when the other sister way up north. But I don't think she she even say that. Her daughter say that. And that old boy, Hearn, say that. 
drunk woman kind of stumbled, but my grandfather caught her, and the mule suddenly distracted, sucked in a cool breath of the roaming air. The Oldsmobile, as well as the brakes, had gotten ahead of Miss Arifa, and the former was tooting rather hysterically at the gate beyond, but not studying or stopping that far out. She and the long new car bounced like a pocketbook up the dusty gate to where the boss man and our neighbor sat in the yard. Well, the boss man had been in the yard, but he suddenly got up to go in like something was after him. Like a race car driver, Aretha spun the car around the circle of bushes and caught him before he could get to the open yard. She's some missionary, all right, said drunk woman. Let me, let me go on yon four scratches, Caesar. Drunk woman received her calling and was off as best she could. Granddaddy went back for a moment to his Sunday school book. But in the distance, I watched the long, <laughs> decorated arm come from the car the white flowery cloth around her wrist gesticulating like a teacher. The pastor, remembrance president and head usher and church nurse and missionary and fundraising queen was pointing at the white man's chest as if to force away his undershirt and her mouth had opened like a combine sieving for seed. Maybe figuring she should have, he should have been in church. The small black man had taken the easy way out. He had gotten up to hand her something wrapped in a handkerchief. But my father's boss was not an easy sell. He had probably already given to my great aunt at the store. The ride that Sunday to church was full of air, a feeling. Oh, gosh, I just popped out of my text. Station identification. Let me see if I can get back to it quickly. Sorry about that. These things happen with technology. I was next to the end of this piece. The ride to church that Sunday was full of air a feeling our billfolds and purses were probably both loaded and unloaded, and Miss Aretha couldn't drive quite fast enough. With all the windows down and the little gray curls resisting her wide head, and I might say, Miss Aretha was quite pretty, if such a thing is possible for an old lady whose husband was dead and everyone avoided her except my grandfather who lived beside her mother when he was a boy. She was some kind of cheery, though not a singer. So cheery she got the old-time preacher on the radio, to which she both cackled and harmed. I remembered briefly, they said, she had tried to take over the senior choir by holding a large year-long rally to buy new pews. But even more cheery was the church, 
when she entered. The entire digging board looking at her as though waters had been parted, lepers had been given new homes. Even the digging with the very gold tooth my daddy avoided because talk was the deacon had been a little too friendly with my stepmother in the field. With the huff of a kind of angel, after a long guttural prayer from Miss Mamie's cruel husband, still holding her fat pocketbook close to her growing bosom, Miss Aretha Stone laid her wad on the plate all but 600 whole dollars. Hmm, I like this piece. I'll have to give it to me. I did a good job. Great job on that piece, Larry. I hope you all have a great day, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.